Book 7, Chapter 3 of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J.L. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick MacLear. Book 7, Chapter 3. Othniel and Ehud, Deborah and Barak. Judges 2 through 5. B.C. circa 1406 through 1296. The two incidents just recorded are illustrations of the turbulence and disorder of the period which followed the death of Joshua and of the elders that outlived Joshua. Forgetful of their vocation, the chosen people intermingled with the heathen Canaanites, conformed to their rites and customs, and so forfeited the protection and blessing of their invisible king he therefore delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them he sold them to their enemies round about and they were greatly distressed judges two fourteen and fifteen but on the first manifestation of repentance he regarded their affliction he heard their cry psalm one o six forty four and forty five and raised up deliverers who saved them from their enemies the Hebrew word used to denote these deliverers, these saviors of their country, shofet, shofetim, in which we have translated judge, is much the same as the sufs, sufets of the Carthaginians at the time of the Punic Wars. Raised up on extraordinary occasions, like the dictators in the history of Rome, they delivered the nation from some pressing danger, and their power and authority generally terminated with the crisis which had called them forth higher than the princes of the tribes vested with extraordinary powers for the emergency their office was not hereditary though we shall see it finally tending in more than one instance towards fixedness and perpetuity and in the person of eli united with that of the high priest judges ten verses three and four twelve verses eight through fourteen and first samuel eight verses one through three invasion from the northeast othniel the crisis which called forth the first of these deliverers was the invasion of the country by Cushan rishathaim king of Mesopotamia. From the seat of his dominion between the Euphrates and the Tigris, he extended his conquests so far southward that the Israelites suffered grievously from his oppressions for a space of eight years. At the close of this period, Othniel, whose valor in attacking Kirjath-sephir and marriage with the daughter of the famous Caleb have been lately recorded, went out against him and defeated him, and restored rest to the land for forty years. Judges 3 verses 8 through 11. Invasion from the Southeast, Ehud on his death the people again fell into idolatry and the moabites under eglon aided by their old allies the ammonites and amalekites crossed the jordan and seized the ruined site of jericho from this vantage ground eglon was enabled to extend his dominion at least over the tribe of benjamin from which if not from other tribes he exacted annual tribute for a space of eighteen years this was brought to him at jericho where he would seem to have constructed a palace on one occasion ehud the son of gera a benjamite was selected to command the party deputed to carry this proof of subjection having executed his commission he accompanied his men as far back as the quarries or rather the graven images at gilgal judges three nineteen margin possibly the idol temples with which the moabites had profaned the associations of that sacred spot thence he turned back and on pretence of having a message from god to deliver to him obtained a private interview with eglon as he sat in his summer parlor or parlor of cooling judges three twenty margin probably on the roof of his house where he might catch the cool breezes that tempered the tropical heat of the jordan valley on entering ehud repeated the purport of his errand and eglon bade the attendants instantly withdraw 
Then, as he rose from his seat to meet his visitor, Ehud, who was left-handed like many of his tribe, drew a long two-edged dagger which he had made and hidden under his mantle upon his right thigh, Judges 3.16, and stabbed him with such force as to leave the weapon in his body. Without lingering a moment, he then shut and locked the doors of the chamber and fled through the porch or gallery that ran round the roof, and, passing beyond Gilgal, made for the wooded, shaggy hills of Sirath in the mountains of Ephraim. There he blew a horn and roused the Israelites, who rushed down the hills and followed him in the direction of Jericho. Meanwhile, the attendants had opened the door of Eglon's chamber and beheld the corpse lying on the floor. Panic-stricken at this unexpected death of their leader, and still more by the sudden rising of the Israelites, the Moabites fled towards the fords of the Jordan. But the Israelites had been beforehand with them, and, suffering none to cross, slew upwards of ten thousand men. Rest was now restored at least to the tribe of Benjamin for eighty years, but in the southwest the Philistines, encouraged probably by the success of the Moabites, made an inroad, and reduced the Israelites to great straits, Judges 5-6. But Shamgar, the son of Anath, was raised up to be a deliverer. Armed with nothing but a long iron-spiked ox-goad, he made a sudden and desperate assault upon the Philistines and slew six hundred of them, thus obtaining a temporary respite for his people. Judges 3.31 Invasion from the North Deborah and Barak but a more terrible invasion was in store for the nation, which again on the death of Ehud relapsed into idolatry. Judges 4.1 this time the oppressor came from the north, where, under a second Jabin, the Canaanites, whom Joshua had defeated in his memorable victory at the waters of Miram, had recovered a portion of their former strength. With his vast hosts and his nine hundred chariots of iron commanded by Sisera his captain, who resided at Herosheth of the Gentiles, he overran the country of the neighboring tribes, Asher, Naphtali, and Zebulun. Such was the general prostration and terror that, as had already been the case in the days of Shamgar, the highways were unoccupied and the travelers stole from place to place by crooked, torturous bypaths. Judges 5-6 Village life ceased in Israel, and the peasantry, abandoning the cultivation of the ground, retired for refuge to the walled towns. But even here they were not secure. There was war in the gates, the place usually devoted to the administration of justice, and even in the places of drawing water the noise of the archers could be heard twanging their terrible bows, Judges 5, verses 8 and 11. No resistance could be offered, for according to a common policy, 1 Samuel 13, verses 19 through 22, there had been a general disarmament of the people, and not a spear or shield was to be seen among 40,000 in Israel, Judges 5, verse 8. The spirit of the nation was completely crushed, and the second Jabin and Sisera, his captain, carried on unchecked for upwards of twenty years those measures whereby they reduced the Israelites to a condition of degrading servitude. Judges 4 verse 3. At length, however, a deliverer appeared. Under a solitary palm tree in the mountain range of Ephraim between Ramah and Bethel lived a prophetess named Deborah, who was or had been the wife of Lapidoth. In the failure of all other leaders, she was now regarded by the oppressed people with the utmost reverence, and they went up to her for judgment. Judges 4 verse 5. Like Joan of Arc in after times, her whole soul was fired with indignation at the sufferings endured by her people, and at length from Kadesh Naphtali, a city of refuge not far from Jabin's capital, Joshua 20 verse 7 and 21 verse 32, and therefore peculiarly animated with hostility to the oppressor, she summoned Barak, Lightning, the son of Abinoam. On the strength of a divine commission, she then enjoined him to gather 10,000 men from his own and the neighboring tribe of Zebulun to the green summit of Tabor 
and promised to draw to the river Kishon in the plain of Esdraelon the great captain of Jabin's army with his chariots and his host, and there deliver them into his hand. Barak declined to undertake the arduous enterprise unless the prophetess promised to accompany him. To this she assented, but distinctly warned him that the expedition would not be for his honor, as he was thus willing to lean upon a woman's aid, so into the hands of a woman would the Lord deliver the leader of his enemy's forces. Leaving her seat of judgment, Deborah then accompanied Barak to Gadesh, and he employed himself in rousing his own tribe of Naphtali and that of Zebulun to join in the insurrection. Having at length gathered ten thousand men around his standard, he marched, still attended by the prophetess, to the high places of Tabor. There he was joined by portions of other tribes, whom the influence of Deborah had roused to take part in the great struggle, consisting of the princes of Issachar, a body of Ephraimites, and detachments from Benjamin and northeastern Manasseh, Judges 5, verses 14 and 15. Other tribes, however, came not thus zealously to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Of the two Martime tribes, Dan on the south clung to his ships in the port of Joppa, and Asher forgot the perils of his fellows in the creeks and harbors of his Phoenician allies. Judges 5 verse 17. The name of Judah is not even mentioned among the patriot forces. Amongst the tribes across the Jordan, great was the debate as to the course to be pursued. Reuben preferred to abide secure among his sheepfolds, and to listen to the bleating of his flocks, and Gad to linger beyond the Jordan in his grassy uplands. Judges 5.17 but amidst the wavering of many hearts, Zebulun and Naphtali remained firm, and prepared to jeopardize their lives unto the death on the high places of Tabor. Judges 5.18 Meanwhile, certain of the Kenites who had separated from the rest of their tribe in the hill country of Judah, Judges 1.16, and now dwelt under the oaks of Zanaim, near Kadesh, informed Sisera of the sudden movement of Barak towards Tabor, Judges 4 verses 11 and 12. Thereupon, without delay, he gathered all his forces and encamped on the level plain of Esdraelon between the friendly towns of Tanakh and Megiddo, where he was also joined by other Canaanite chiefs anxious to quell the sudden insurrection. Judges 5, verses 3 and 19. At length, the heroic Deborah gave the encouraging command to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Probably long before it was light, the camp of Barak's little army was struck, and the patriot tribes, rapidly descending the winding mountain path, fell upon the hosts of Sisera and threw them into wild confusion. As they fled in utter dismay along the plain, not only the troops of Barak, but the stars in their courses, Judges 5.20, the elements of heaven began to fight against the Canaanites. A furious storm of rain and hail gathered from the east, and bursting right in their faces, rendered useless the bows of their archers, and swelled into a mighty torrent the rivulets, springs, and spongy marshes near Megiddo. Before long, the ancient torrent of the Kishon, twisted or winding, rose in its bed, and the plain became an impossible morass. The chariots of Sisera were now utterly useless. The hoofs of the horses vainly plunging in the tenacious mud and swollen streams were broken by means of their prancings. Judges 5.22 The torrent of the Kishon, now rushing fast and furious, swept them away, and the strength of the Canaanites was trodden down. Stuck fast, entangled, overwhelmed, they could not stand for a moment before the avenging Barak, and not a man made good his escape to the city of their great leader, Herosheth of the Gentiles, before their pursuers had smitten them with the edge of the sword. Judges 4 verse 16
Meantime, while his mother and her tenants were vainly awaiting the return of his triumphal chariot, Judges 5, verse 28, Sisera himself fled away on foot to the friendly tribe of Heber the Kenite beneath the oaks of Zanaim, where he hoped for safety from his remorseless pursuers. After a while, he drew near the tent of Jael, Heber's wife and chieftainess of the tribe. She herself had descried him approaching and went forth to meet him. "'Turn in, my lord,' she said. "'Turn in to me, fear not.' And he turned in, and she covered him with a rug or blanket. Judges 4.18 Spent and weary, before he lay down, he asked for a little water to drink, but she gave him something better than water. She opened the skin bottle of milk, such as always stands by Arab tents. She brought forth butter, or thick-curdled milk in a lordly dish, or the bowl used for illustrious strangers, and covered him again with the rug. Thus doubly assured of hospitality, Sisera bade her deny his presence if any inquired after him, and then laid him down and slept. But as she stood at the tent door, other thoughts than those of kindness towards the slumbering chief came over Jael. At length, taking one of the wooden sharp-pointed tent nails in one hand and a mallet in the other, she went softly unto him and smote him with such force that the nail entered into his temples and fastened his head to the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, and so he died. Meanwhile, the pursuing Barak drew near. Him, too, Jael went forth to meet, and taking him within, showed him his terrible foe, the captain of the nine hundred iron chariots, lying dead upon the ground, with the nail driven through his temples. Thus, on that day, as the prophetess had said, God delivered Sisera into the hands of a woman. Together, she and Barak returned from the battlefield and chanted responsively a sublime triumphal hymn, celebrating the recent victory over the northern Canaanites, which now secured to the land rest for forty years. Judges 5 End of Book 7, Chapter 3